0: And I think what has been such a gift, and in, in quarantine, is that it's like figuring out what really matters yeah. and what is really important.
1: Power to live more with Joe Dodds.
2: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience.
1: My name is Ellie Dodds, and I am co-presenter, and today i interviewing Mary Hyatt. Mary was suggested as a guest to us by interview Valet, and we immediately knew she'd be a great fit. Mary is a life and business mindset coach who specialises in helping high-achieving female entrepreneurs move from living a life of burnout to a life where they're connected to their emotions, their body, and their spirit. She helps bring her one-on-one and group coaching clients back to the enoughness, wholeness, and femininity. Mary is the host of the Living Fully Alive podcast that airs weekly where she dives deeper into mindset and helps her listeners learn to embody a life fully lived. She is also a top earner with DoTerra Essential Oils, helping teach women how to support their bodies and emotions holistically. As a trained hypnotherapist and kundalini yoga instructor, Mary brings a level of consciousness and soul-focused inner work to everything she does. Back to the studio. <laughs> Today, I'm interviewing Mary Hyatt. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks, Joe. I'm so excited to be here, and it's going to be a great conversation.
2: It is. It is. So, start by telling us who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it.
0: Yeah. So, I am based out of Nashville, Tennessee. So, if you're from the States, you know that is the, the southern part of the country. And so, we are all about big hair, lipstick, and saying things like y'all. <laughs> So I am born and raised Southern. I've got uh, a big old family and we always have just the best time getting together. But I am a life coach and business consultant and I really focus on female entrepreneurs. I love working with other coaches. I love working with other consultants because it's like we get to speak the same language. And I, I really help women primarily get out of that phase of hustle and burnout and where they're coming at their businesses from, force and trying to just make things happen and really help introduce back in this idea of flow, this idea of alignment, this idea of being willing and and giving yourself permission to be human and to really like check in and get aligned with who you are in your most authentic self and what it is that you were created to do and, and lead your business, work with your clients in a way that just is it's in sync it's like in total alignment and it's it's a job that it's even funny calling it a job because it really is a passion it's something that i that i love to do i love working with women who are kind of at a new season of life of embracing their femininity and sort of letting go of this masculine approach to everything that's all about only results and making things happen and achievement to bringing in some of those softer skills into the conversation, bringing in some of those innate skills that maybe they've neglected for a long time and starting to see how it might be able to be easier. Life could be easier. Business could be easier and sort of approach it from that feminine perspective
2: lovely so so tell us a bit more about how that came about because as I say so many times on this podcast in common with most of my guests I don't imagine you grew up thinking that this is what you would do
0: (laughs) yeah no (laughs) I know right it's like how did we end up here um I think for me, if if I were to rewind the clock like eight or nine years ago, you would have found a very different person, a different looking person, a different place in life. And for me, at that time, I was about eighty pounds heavier than I am now. I was in a marriage that was um, on the way to divorce. It was very um dysfunctional. And I had gotten married super young. So I got married at twenty, which is kind of the way you do it in the South. You know, you get married. You're meant to have babies and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in a situation where that was not the case. I wasn't in that happily ever after. And I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. I had autoimmune complications. And so I was on a lot of physical pain. I was on all kinds of medication and just exhausted. I had chronic fatigue. chronic fatigue. It was not a fun, you know, six or seven years of my life. And it kind of came off of the heels of – trauma early on in my marriage. And being so young, I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know how to deal with trauma. I didn't have the skill set. I had hardly any life experience. I'd just come out of, um, or actually I was still in college. And so what happened was it sort of got to that breaking point where enough was enough already. And it, and I finally sort of got out of that space of denial. And I can remember this moment of like looking at myself in the mirror and seeing my reflection. And the only thing that I recognized was my eyes. Like everything else was like, who is this person? And I remember sort of having what we call in the South, like a come to Jesus moment, which just means you get radically honest with what is. And I remember saying to myself, there has got to be more to life than this. Like surely in my you know, late 20s, this is not all there is. And so I ended up embarking on a kind of putting myself through self-discovery school. I you know, bought every book that probably all y'all know, um, Mm -hmm. all the self-help books, all the self-help development books, and started reading, started trying to understand what had happened. When did I go numb? When did I fall asleep? When did I check out? And who was the real Mary? And so kind of for the first time in my life as an adult, I started going on this self-inquiry journey, which led me, and I had been doing therapy for a long time, but it led me to eventually several years later starting my own business in a network marketing industry and kind of found myself in a situation where I was in total burnout. So I ended up hiring a coach. And through working with a coach, I realized, oh, my God, this is what I'm meant to do. Like, this is my path. And I had always been interested. I I studied psychology in uh, college, and so I, I had a bent towards that. But it was like coaching was just this perfect blend of the therapy kind of mixed in with all of this mindset stuff and sort of taking action and embarked on becoming a coach and training with my coach and kind of the rest is history.
2: And so how did you turn that into helping other people? Because, you know, many people have issues and go through a sort of transition themselves, but it doesn't turn into helping other people with a similar sort of journey. So what what was the the, the reasoning behind that?
0: Well, I think that it's my personality, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. I think I have always been somebody who has loved to help. If you're familiar with the Enneagram uh, personality assessment test, I am an Enneagram type 2, which is the helper. And for me, I've always been so even when I was younger, it was like whatever knowledge that I had, I wanted to share. I was a tutor for inner city kids growing up. Um, I was taught at a school right after I had graduated high school and I I I love the idea of teaching. And so there's this kind of element that I was always going back to, which was how can I help someone get through what I'm going through? quicker and with less pain. Because for me, it was like, okay, here I am sort of sludging through this and having to do this hard work of not having a whole lot of guidance and sort of just figuring it out on my own. And I'm the kind of person who loves growth and loves to learn. So for me, that was easy in the sense that I love to read. I love to take notes. I love to Question and ponder. But I know that not everybody's like that. I mean, I know some people are like, all right, just give me the Cliff Note version here and, you know, make it simple, make it sweet, and tell me what I need to do without having to go through years and years of that sort of deep, deep, deep inner work. And so for me, it was like a no brainer. It was like, I want to be in service and I want to help people get outside of these beliefs that they have that they are not enough, that they are not worthy. Cause I just knew the depth of the pain that I felt and how debilitating that pain was, I just truly did not want other people to have to go through that when I knew there were ways to get through it. And so I think kind of anything that I do, I'm always wanting to share with other people. I'm always wanting to teach. And I think that level of sort of like, listen, sister, like I have been through it, you have been through and I know the hell that it is. Let me help you out. It was like that to me is the most powerful thing that we can do in our lives is to help someone when we've been through it and we're just a little further along in that journey.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do you work with your clients? What's the sort of shape of your your days and and the way that you offer your help? Yes. Health?
0: So I have sort of like three options when I work with clients. So I have my one-on-one coaching clients and I I love those women. I mean they're just like so amazing and these are the women who are like already at some point in their life successful. So maybe they have a career that they're, you know, kicking butt at, and yet they're still unsatisfied in some area of their life. So they are either burnout and exhausted. Their relationships are falling apart. They have um, a lot of issues with their body, like body image, hating their body, all of that. And so those are the clients that commit to doing a six-month package with me or a year package with me. So I kind of have that two options. And then I also do group coaching. And this is kind of where, depending on what it is that I'm studying or what it is that I'm really interested in at the time, I will create a, usually like a six to eight week program that's group coaching. And I love these groups too, because there's something that is so powerful that happens inside community, like just that sisterhood, the ability to find trust in, in, in vulnerability again, where a lot of people have been burned in that. And so like last year, um, the, the, the last end of last year, I did a, a course that was all about enoughness for women. So embracing their femininity and learning how to be enough. And so that was a, um, several month course or group coaching program. And I kind of do that about twice a year. And then I also have a, online membership where people pay a monthly fee and they kind of get this bigger group there. So it's sort of a lesser degree of content. They don't get any one-on-one time with me, but they get resources. So every week they're getting a resource, whether it's a guided meditation, whether it's an embodiment exercise. I have a workbook that, that correlates with the theme that I do on my podcast. And so there's all kinds of questions that have to do with that theme that they can journal out. And you know, a couple other Q&A, um, things like that resource. So it's usually one-on-one group or
2: the online membership lovely it sounds quite similar to some of the stuff that I offer and yeah. I guess this this personal question um how do you get it all done <laughs> I, <laughs> always, I always feel like there's more content I could provide I could do some more sessions I've got all these great ideas and my to-do list is like the length of I don't know what and uh, right. you know you do what you do don't you but but yeah. you know how, how do you organize it I'm always interested to hear what I can learn <laughs>
0: Well, I totally, gosh, I've been there and I get that. Um, I think one of the things that really shifted everything for me was last year I decided to have a theme of the month for my podcast. And so it's great about that is it basically allows me to repurpose content all across the channel. So for example, if I'm doing four episodes for my podcast, I have to do like this month I'm talking about when we're recording, I'm talking about relationships. Then everything that I create, whether it's through social media, for my online membership, so the the guided meditation, the essential oil recipe, the workbook, all has to do with relationships. And so I'm not having to kind of like think about, okay, what is it that I'm in the mood to talk about today? I have like a, a some boundaries around that. I have a parameter that sort of helps to guide my focus. And that was that was like a game changer for me because it was like every week I'd think about the podcast and because mine is a primarily solo podcast, it was like okay, what am I going to talk about this week? And mm-hmm. so having the theme was really helpful. And then of course with my one-on-one clients, I have them they meet with me at one uh, every other week. And so I only have about max maybe four clients a, a week that I'm working with in that capacity. So I keep a really small roster for my one-on-one clients because I charge a a hefty amount for Mm -hmm. one-on-one coaching. And so I'm able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of know that I have these like little pockets and seasons where I do the group coaching. But right now I'm sort of just rinsing and repeating. You know, I've created the content already. And so when I run my next group coaching, it'll be the same content. And so I'm not having to create that again and again and again. And so to me, it's sort of like always through the lens of how can I sort of reuse what I've already got going? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing that I do, and I'm sure you've heard of this or maybe you do this yourself, is I batch my days. So I have like some days that are for just coaching I have some days like today that's all podcasting. Yeah. I have some days that are going to be um, like Mondays. I do not work at all. So I completely take off on Monday. And so that's sort of my catch up, self-care, sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. tend, tend to myself day. And then for the rest of the four days and Friday's a really light day as well. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are, are a little bit more packed with things. But it's every day is sort of a different scope of my business. So it's not mm-hmm. all
2: jumbled in there together. It's funny, I've um, increasingly done that. I've been doing more coaching during the sort of lockdown period and um, I've corralled it all into again tuesday wednesday thursday to the point where i had to move my podcasts to wednesday although we're doing this on a thursday so i've had four to do this week and <laughs> and, uh, and it's made me laugh because i actually have started to really like fridays and i'm not so keen on mondays anymore and i always used to never know the difference between any of my days yeah <laughs> yeah i like having a day with nothing in it so i know on a monday that i'm heading into three really busy days mm. Where my diary is completely full and although it's just like when I used to be in corporate and I used to have interviews and things I love the days I love speaking to people and I love the work that I do on the day but I dread doing it (laughs) and so I now have a weekend again it's really
0: weird That's amazing. It makes all the difference. I know for, for me, it's like, you know, when Sunday rolls around, I don't dread Monday anymore because I know that I'm basically having an off day and, and sometimes I'll do a little bit of work, but I have no meetings, no clients, no podcasting, you know, nothing where I have to like show up with makeup on and get ready yeah. and be on. It's like, I can be in my pajamas all day if I want to be there. Yeah. And just the stress, just knowing that the stress that it takes off knowing you've got that space to just sort of like acclimate back in or in your case acclimate kind of out into the weekend Yes, it's it's like a buffer and it's really really nice
2: yes yeah and, it, and it's a real it's you know evidence to me of what I've said for a long time about how you know we have to shape what our, what we want our, our work to look like and when we yeah. you know when we do it and how it fits with our lives and everything else and um I guess for some people, the, the last few weeks has been an opportunity to, to do that. I mean, some people obviously have just yeah. had, you know, far too much going on and, and not been able to do that at all. But um, certainly I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know when I'm sort of in a different period and can actually leave the house and everything else, how I'm going to fit everything else in because this is very right. much a, a lockdown schedule. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: totally. Well, and I think what has been such a gift and in, in quarantine is that it's like, Figuring out what really matters yeah. and what is really important. And I know for me, like one of the things that was so eye opening is I recognized that I had been in these patterns in my work method that. I never stopped to question because I was running so fast and I was just sort of like in the motion of when I was going that I wasn't actually questioning like, am I the best person for this job? Like, is is, it make the most sense for me to be the one doing this, this thing? Or is this something that I need to delegate? Is this something that I need to hand off to somebody else or contract it out or whatever? And I think that this time of being able to slow down, it was like, Oh, now I have an opportunity to evaluate and think about you know what the truth is like, this might be something that I am, you know, decently proficient at, but I don't enjoy it. Like, it's just exhausting. Like, editing podcasts, for example, I can do it, no big deal, but it's not something that brings me a lot of joy, for example. Mm. Whereas, now I'm kind of finding out like, oh, you know what I really do love to do is I love doing some of the design work, like for my social media, like making graphics. I actually really enjoy that. It feels like an out, uh, artistic expression for myself. And could I hire that out? Yeah. And I had my assistant doing a lot of that and I realized that I was missing that. But again, because I was sort of going in through the motions, I didn't pause to check in and go, okay, what makes sense for me to do? What do I enjoy doing? And then what else do I need to sort of like delegate out that makes the most sense? So I feel like my work method has changed. My assistance has changed through this time. And I know that I'm a little bit further ahead here in the States than you are. So I've kind of now like I'm getting out, I'm in my office, I have an office outside of my house. Um, I'm here now, but it's sort of like, what can I bring to the environment that I had when I was totally just in my yeah. house and lockdown? It's like, what what are some of those things I don't want to, to, to just let go back to the quote unquote normal like mm, that was an opportunity for a reset let's let's keep going with that momentum
2: yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, so let's talk a bit sort of practical level stuff in terms of sort of tools and apps what sort of things do you use to manage your business and and get things done?
0: yeah, I would say that the top two. Apps that I use, and honestly, I don't use a ton, so I'm not like an app junkie. But the two that I feel like I go back to again and again and again are Calendly, which is how I schedule all of the things that I do. So that's basically the link that I'm going to give people to schedule, whether it's a one on one or like, um. I, I forgot to mention, I, I run a mastermind as well. And so I've got these women in this mastermind and they get a one coaching session a quarter with me. And so I'll send them that link for them to schedule that. And that's just a great tool. So I'm not taking my time going back and forth on email. I'm trying to find a good space for people mm-hmm. to you know, get in my schedule. So Calendly is awesome. I love that. And then the other tool that I use all the time to organize all the things that I'm learning and studying is Evernote. And that is a a way to organize essentially from handwritten notes to digital notes. And for me, because I'm running so many different kinds of programs and things online, it's so helpful because I can have a whole uh, binder inside of Evernote, and I've got all these little tabs in there, and it might be social media graphics for the online membership. It might be the folder of guided meditations. It might be the folder of... um, templated emails whatever it might be but it's sort of all instead of having it just like in the finder section of your computer it's a it's a more visually appealing way of having it in one space where you can attach images you can attach pdfs and you can share that with other people um and your team which is great so those are those are kind of my two go-tos Evernote and Calendly
2: lovely I'm 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 interested that it's you know like so definitely two (laughs) yeah (laughs) You've you've curbed the uh, bright, shiny objects uh, tendencies.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. You know what? I mean, like, it's one of those things that... And and I have, like, apps online that I use for design, like Canva I love, Mm or uh, make little videos through Wavy, W-A-V-V-E. And, you know, I use some of that. But as far as, like, actual things that I have on my computer, I just... I'm kind of a minimal minimalist, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You see you're, you're one step ahead of all these people who are now having to read all the books about digital minimalism and all that sort of stuff. Right. Right.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> I, you know what, honestly, yeah, exactly. I just kind of went, went to it intuitively just because, you know, tech stuff can get so overwhelming so mm-hmm. quick. And I am just, I don't have a whole lot of patience to learn, learn new things. I feel like I find what works. And I just run with it.
2: Yes. Yeah. So you talked at the beginning about working with women and how um, you're interested in helping them to sort of use their, I don't know, feminine traits. I think you, you d- described um, a few times uh, yeah. to, to you know, to run their businesses, to improve their lives and, and so on and, and, and not be sort of frightened to to let those come out, if you like. Uh, talk a bit more ab- about that and, and uh, about sort of what you're advocating that you know what you're encouraging people to to do to to sort of live that femininity if you like in business
0: yeah so to me, it's it's just kind of a fascinating study when you start looking at the history of women in the workplace, which is relatively new. I mean, you know, I think anything that's sort of like less than 100 years old is considered new. <laughs> and And so it's been interesting to kind of see the development. And if you think about women in the workplace prior to the sort of movement of working at home, for example, so when we look at when women sort of went into the corporate space, it was kind of a man's world. I mean, there was a lot of male energy, definitely this idea of men and, and being a male is superior to being a woman and men are smarter. Men are quicker. Men are faster. Women are slower. Women are not as, not as intelligent. And so we were sort of relegated to roles like the secretary. um, If we had to work outside of, out of the home and, it was interesting as you kind of see the trend as women sort of moving up the the quote unquote corporate ladder, there's this trend that happens and you even see this in fashion. I think this is like a great way of looking at it where women began to dress like men. So mm. women began to wear the pantsuit and that to me is such a metaphor for kind of how it was working where women adopted this belief that in order to be successful in a, man's world, we got to be like a man. We have to think like a man. We've got to kind of be cutthroat. We've got to be competitive. We've got to be high achieving. We need to be, you know, staying later than anybody else. We need to be getting to the office before anybody else gets there. And so there's this energy of force, of do, 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 create, um, sort of this intense, if you think about masculine energy. And what I've noticed, especially in my clients who are high achieving women, that there comes a point when that creates and causes burnout and it creates exhaustion. And my belief is that when we are solely operating out of our masculine energy as women, we can't sustain it. Like there really is this beautiful polarity of masculine and feminine energy that we each have. And we each have Some masculine and each have feminine, and sometimes we're a little bit more bent towards one or the other, no matter what your sex is. But for women, I do think that if when we are fully in the masculine, it's going to burn us out. And so, what I try to teach and help encourage my clients to do is to start to appreciate and see some of these feminine qualities as assets versus liabilities. So, it's looking at the part of ourselves that is. emotionally mature, that is relatable, that is honest, that is creative, that is intuitive. The ability for a woman to sort of have that soulful, spiritual, almost like kind of spidey sense of Coming into a situation and sort of reading what's behind what's being said, that ability to kind of emotionally communicate, to express, to have this energy of flow, playful, pure, sensual, fluid, um, allowing, open, expansive kind of energy. And to me, a woman in her power, in her strength, when she can sort of own that energy, is a power house. Like I think about the archetype of the queen, just that queen energy of a powerhouse that can sort of like hold her ground and who is still, you know, running, running the whole country. And, um, and yet there's this femininity about her. There is this, this almost like mysterious quality about her. And for us, I think as women, we need to be connected to the heart of the woman. And I think when we can bring that into our business, especially as coaches, I think like this is a really almost like easy way to adopt this. it easier than trying to bring this into a corporate space. But as a coach, it's like, what do we do all day? I mean, we're listening. We are accessing our innate wisdom. We're reading behind what it is that our clients are presenting and really like seeing what is the real issue behind their words. And that's feminine. That ability to, to see that is such an asset. So to me, some of those softer sides, some of those more feminine sides um, are really an invitation, I think, for women to find some freedom in their work as opposed to feeling like they're always in this pressure to perform, always in this, this mode of hustle, do, 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 achieve. And when we can kind of like slow down and connect with our most inner self our highest self our truest self to me that kind of feminine alignment
2: is freedom Mm. and what does that look like when people sort of don't get that because as you say people go into business and quite often are sort of operating within that sort of masculine principle sort of way what what when you when those i mean do do people come to you because they know they want to be different and they don't feel they can be because the world doesn't seem to be like that? Um, or are they already like that and they, they're just sort of honing it further? I just, I sort of, when I sort of listen to you describing that, I sort of feel like, I almost feel like people need to be feeling that and being that in order to come and find out more about it. Cause if they're
0: not,
2: if you, if you haven't got that and you're trying to be too masculine, do you know that?
0: No, <laughs> I don't think you know that. I, I think that it presents in different ways. So like, for example, and I, I love this about coaching, right? Cause it's like never about what you think it's about. <laughs> and so I wouldn't like this conversation we're having, I wouldn't ever have that conversation with a client up front. Because yeah. you're, I think you're right, like it wouldn't resonate and I don't think people know that that's what they would want or what they would need. And what they're, what they're coming to me for is, is because they're in this burnout. They're in yeah. this exhaustion, which to me is the byproduct of living in the masculine. Now, I wouldn't use that language and they wouldn't even know how to describe it that way. Right, okay.
1: Um,
0: and so I think that what's interesting about it is that when you have that uh, symptomatic situation present themselves, when they go, man, my self-care is really lacking. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that people typically can identify with. Like they all of a sudden are going, you know what? I'm working on the weekends. I'm working at night. I'm not spending time with my husband. I'm not spending time with my kids. I am like truly exhausted. To me, those are sort of those symptoms that they're sort of telling on themselves without knowing that they are. Yeah. And So that's kind of where I come in where it's like, okay, what would this look like if we came at this from a different kind of energy? And honestly, kind of where I start is what does it look like to prioritize self-care? What does it look like to introduce some boundaries in your work and not working on the weekends and sort of having what I like to call anchoring non-negotiables, like these these non-negotiables where you say come hell or high water. Like I am not going to work before ten a.m. or on the weekends or whatever it might be. Or I'm gonna, you know, in my day, promptly at five o'clock, and I'm not gonna work past that. And so I kind of, you know, have to approach it in their language first and foremost. And then, as we begin working together and as we start talking about it, what, what you find is that these women actually are longing to embrace some of these more feminine sides of themselves, but they haven't had the language to do it. They have no clue what that even means or where to start. Mm. And so, that's kind of where I can kind of begin to baby step them in that process. It's like, what would it look like to experience some pleasure mm. in your life? You know, because usually women are not only working in their masculine with their work, they're usually approaching their relationships from a masculine place they're usually really restricted in how they're eating you know so their their masculine energy with their food and so it's sort of like kind of starting to see those trends and seeing where I can have an entry point to begin to, to soften and introduce some of these concepts of femininity
2: yeah it's, um, it's also interesting that people quite often start businesses having worked in a corporate job and they right. sort of they copy what they do in their job as well. So things like their working hours and, and how they think it should play out, um, which I guess in lots of cases is coming from a sort of masculine place as well. Cause that's what our workplaces quite often are operating like, but, but also it's just that, that pattern. We sort of assume we've got to do what we ever did.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I mean, I think one of the reasons people go into businesses for themselves, especially like consultants, coaches, therapists is there's sort of this like promise of freedom, like time freedom. Like Mm -hmm. you've been working for the man, you've had no flexibility in your schedule. And so what's appealing oftentimes is that, you know, when you run your own business, you're going to have time freedom and hopefully financial freedom. But I think that that idea of getting more time is really appealing. And yet it's one of the things that typically what I deal with with my clients most is time famine, time scarcity. And they wake up in the morning stressed out of their minds and all of a sudden they don't have a boss who's giving them ideas of what to do and they're running businesses for themselves and they're filling their, coach, their client rosters completely full. There's no breaks. They're exhausted one after another after another. And it's sort of like they're, they're living like an employee even though they're supposed to be the CEO of their business. Mm-hmm. And so they're sort of like going through the motions of doing, doing, doing and, and what I love is having that moment where it's like, let's take a moment to pause and think about your ideal workday to think like if you could design it and let's forget money for a second. Let's forget like the reality of could this work or not. And let's just go into the space of dreaming to, to envision what would you want if you could design it how you would want in a way that felt energizing, empowering, soul giving, life giving, what would that look like? And I literally like have them do this exercise where they walk through that hour by hour, what that would look like. And that's sort of the beginning, like crack open the door for seeing it in a new light, being able to go, wait a minute, there might just be a way that I could design this in the way that I would want to. Maybe it's not going to happen instantaneously tomorrow, but then we've got this roadmap of if this is what's what you care about in life, if this what is if this is what you value and where you'd want to spend your time, then let's do that. Let's get mm-hmm. you there. Um, but I think it is sort of that pause to remember that there, you have some choice over how you design your day.
2: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting. I had I just spotted an email this afternoon from a one of my members who was saying. Uh, answering a question. And then she said, and by the way, why are you emailing me at two o'clock in the morning? That can't be good for your well-being." And I was laughing to myself, just listening to you then, but um, two o'clock in the morning, working for me is great as part of my ideal day, as long as I don't have to get up in the morning. And um, I've taken on coaching work for a client, which Um, has people in Australia which means I do have to do mornings Mm, (laughs) not very early mornings but still you know I I normally don't schedule my work time until you know after lunch and from you know the last couple of months I've been doing stuff at you know nine ten o'clock in the morning which Mm. which doesn't work if you've been up till two (laughs) right 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 yeah (laughs) so she's right although she's right for the wrong reason the wrong reason the reason is I'm planning my mornings badly rather than planning my nights. (laughs) <laughs>
0: right, right, right. yeah and like how like I mean just I love when that happens when you have those moments where you go yeah this is not working because I feel mm-hmm. like you know for a while it's an experiment I mean you yes. sort of like go into it and you go okay this is this would be ideal and you sort of block it out and this whatever and then life happens and all the things that shift and change especially during this season of life right now and it's like okay let's go back to the drawing board and I think that's another thing it's just that's very feminine is being willing to be flexible being willing to shift and change and adapt as needed. You know, I think masculine is more rigid, sort of like married to the, to the idea and not really um, so fluid. But I think when we can kind of approach it of, man, this is, we're just experimenting here, you know, and this, this might need to change in a couple weeks or it might need to be a little bit different or you realize, wow, this is really not working. And having that kind of internal permission to say, you know what, that's okay. Let's go back, reimagine it see what we can find that might work better and we'll try that out for a little bit and then we might have to adjust again but sort of that that willingness to be flexible is such a beautiful approach when you're dealing with schedule because it's just it's inevitable you know life happens things change and we and it's gonna it's gonna have to adapt
2: Mm -hmm. it's interesting though you have sort of validated something I've I've been looking recently at putting together some training for uh, people who are starting a business as a coach or a consultant and my very first thing was about self-care and yeah. in fact, I was talking to a student, a male student, and I was for other reasons sharing this sort of structure with him. And he said, Well, why 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 is that first? And I'm just just hearing you now, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that would be his sort of um, yeah. incredulous question. And and actually I then thought, Oh, yeah, maybe it's a bit too woo-woo. But then the <laughs> whole point is, you know, we're trying to create businesses that we want to enjoy running and so of course we should start with what energy we have when we want to work how we want to operate all that sort of stuff before we even do the rest of it
1: (laughs) totally
0: well it's like it's like it really is like being intentional about creating the life that you want and i think that life does not happen by default
1: i mean i mean i should
0: say it does happen by default but not the, not the life that we want. And so the life that we want happens by design, happens by intention, happens by curating it. And, you know, I even think about like morning routines and I know that so many coaches are so strict in their morning routine, like with their clients, like there's just this real emphasis on, you have to have a morning routine, you have to have a morning routine, you have to have a morning routine. And for me, I had a lot of shame around that because I, for whatever reason, I just felt like I couldn't quite get into the rhythm of a morning routine, like that was the same. And then I kind of recognized in my own personality that I am somebody who values really high variety. Like, in order for me to enjoy life, I like variety. I like having my mornings be a little bit different every morning. Mm. And once I sort of made peace with that, of going, you know what, the truth is, if I want to design my life the way I want to design my life, it's going to have to include. Some variety, some some change, something that's a little bit different. Like I don't want to have to just get up and, you know, meditate at the same time in the same chair every single morning. That's just not going to work for me. And I, and I don't need to feel guilty about that or have shame around that. It's like, not. find find something that works for me and... And so what's was amazing is that now I've just shifted that and I have a, a really beautiful evening routine. And then sometimes I, you know, in the morning if I have the space and time I'll go outside and journal and drink some coffee, but that's not every morning, but mm. just sort of like going, this is going to look a little bit different for every person.
1: Mm.
2: I'm so glad you said that. I, um, I've always sort of, said, oh, this miracle morning thing and all that sort of stuff. Not for me because I don't get up early. So, you know, all these people who've done everything by five o'clock and, you know, they say (laughs) they're more successful and all that sort of stuff. And I've always put, you know, done the whole it's too early in the morning. But then I also, exactly like you've just said, I've I have this thing about that's part of the reason why I don't want to work in the morning. You know, part of it's not get wanting to wake up. But also it's the thing about I hadn't really identified it, but it is that again, that that flexibility. So I keep thinking I need to have a routine. You know, I need to do something for an hour in certain order, something else, and I never do it because of yeah. exactly what you said. I just want to do what I want to do, <laughs> right. and I'll get it all done. And I, you know, I might do a bit of reading, or you know, I do have a ritual of reading with a cup of coffee because I like that, and, and whatever yeah. else. But but I I have railed against the whole concept of any sort of routine for mornings, and I've put it down to as I said, not to not wanting to be up early, but it's not, it's not even that it's, it, you know, I'm not creating a routine later in the morning either. Either It's because I don't want a right. routine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that like, there's some personalities who love routine, like mm-hmm. feed off of it, need it. Like I have a dear friend of mine. He is, um, so perfectly like rigid. I mean, he just, he thrives off of routine yeah. and he nails it. I mean, he, it's like literally like to the minute, Same, same thing every morning. And he's super successful, just an amazing person. I respect him so much. And if I compared myself to him, I would be, you know, in a a dark hole somewhere where just thinking, you know, I was just horrible of a person (laughs) for not being able to do this. And it's like being able to be gracious with myself to know, you know what, like that is something that works for him that actually feeds him and gives him energy. And for me, um, it doesn't. In fact, Mm -hmm. it it makes me angry. It makes me frustrated. It makes me feel like I've started the day off as just being a loser. Like I failed already. And um, and, it just, it creates a lot of tension for me. So it's like, oh, I don't actually have to abide by the same rules of life than he does. And I still get to be successful. So it's sort of like, it's not A or B. There's always a C and a D and an E and F of a way of doing things. And so it's sort of like giving myself permission to go, you know what? You can do it the way you need to do it that feels life-giving to you and also is, you know, your specific recipe for success.
2: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you came on the podcast. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep referring back to this one when I'm having those same thoughts. Um, awesome. so, so what about your own sort of development and, and learning? How, how do you keep that going?
0: Yeah. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I love to learn honestly, and I am an avid, reader. And that's probably the the best way I was in a podcast for a while. I've kind of gotten off of those. I think once I started creating my own, it just felt like too much. So, um, Mm -hmm. my, my big thing is reading journaling. Like I, I am one of those people that likes a real book so I can underline all the different things. And then I usually will just journal on something that I've read. Um, I have a coach, I have a therapist. I am also in the process of doing, um, uh, kind of uh therapy called neurofeedback which is dealing with trauma and specifically um working on the brain scientifically working on the brain you actually like, hook your brain up to electrodes and rewire the brain um mm. which is pretty amazing yeah so I'm doing that as well and so yeah I think I think for me if, if if I'm reading if I'm journaling then I know that I'm in that state of growth and just really taking care of myself
2: mm. that neurofeedback I'm sure I've come across through bulletproof Dave Asprey he's, he's done lots of podcasts and things on that if I remember yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it's it's mm-hmm. an amazing I mean there's all different kinds of therapies for for trauma um EMDR mm-hmm. brain spotting things like that but neurofeedback is is very powerful and it's passive so you're actually not talking you're just like sitting and listening to music
2: or watching yeah, tv okay. while you do it so it's kind mm-hmm.
0: of um it's a nice break when you've been doing a lot of that deep kind of cognitive work
2: <laughs> mm-hmm Thank you. So the last couple of questions. Firstly, what about those days where it goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those?
0: You know, I am a firm believer in we are allowed to be human. And honestly, for me, I have this beautiful practice uh, that's called the self forgiveness practice that I learned from my coach from um, her training at UMC. And it, it basically is forgiving yourself for judging yourself or whatever it is that you think you failed at, you know, or it could be forgiving yourself for buying into a belief um, that is limiting. So it could be like, I forgive myself for buying into the misbelief that, you know, I am a total screw up today or that I've, that I've totally dropped the ball today and just really coming at myself with deep compassion and tenderness. And this is something I've had to learn. Um, But just saying like, you know what? You're human you are human and it is okay. And, and if necessary, if i like really, you know, screwed up with another person, you know, I get to be in a space of humility and, and ask for forgiveness if necessary. But I think the, the mindset that I go into difficult days that just go awry is like, it's okay. And I slow down and I ask myself, what do I need? Like put my hand on my heart, close my eyes and just check in. What do I need? Sometimes it's a bath. Sometimes it's a glass of wine. Sometimes it's calling a friend. Sometimes it's zoning out with Netflix. Um, But just kind of really coming at that place of how can I soothe myself from a place of grace and humanness?
2: Mm. Mm. Lovely. Thank you. And the last question is about what about those days where you get to do the the, the piece I talk about living more. So that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What, what do those days look like for you?
0: Yeah. So for me, it's having a slow morning. So I'm totally with you on the slow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I really don't like to especially take any kind of calls or do anything before 11 in the morning. So um, for me, it's having a slow morning the weather would be great and sitting outside with my book, with my journal, No agenda other than just sort of being present and then definitely having space and time to move my body. So I love, I'm a kundalini yoga instructor as well and I love kundalini yoga. So it probably would include some yoga, maybe some stretching. And then um, I love to cook, you know, so being able to have maybe a day where I'm working with clients, which I love, love, love. Um, So having a few clients, getting to be on a podcast or two and then having space in my time to in the evening cook a really delicious meal and then get to eat that with my my boyfriend or some friends
2: lovely that sounds really good (laughs) especially (laughs) the slow morning (laughs) yes yes. brilliant thank you thanks mary it's been so good talking to you tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact
0: yeah. So you can check out my podcast, Living Fully Alive, that comes out weekly. Definitely subscribe and check that out. And then just go to my website, maryhyatt.com. You'll find all my social links there. You'll also find the podcast there. And I, I don't know um, if you're interested in Instagram and you and you happen to find yourself there, definitely give me a follow, send me a DM. I love to connect with people over message there. And it's just Mary G. Hyatt.
2: Lovely. Thanks, Mary. Thanks so much. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 166, you'll find them there. And this week, I want to talk to you about email marketing. Over the weekend, I reread a book that I found really useful the first time I read it, although to my shame, I didn't take lots of action as a result of reading it, but I went back to it this weekend and started to put some of that stuff in place. It's called The Invisible Selling Machine by Ryan Dice, and it's all about email marketing. And I have recently, I can't remember if I've said on the podcast, i recently recently um, been uh, awarded the, what was it called? Um, Aweber Certified Expert Status. And so I appear on their website for that And it really just signifies that I know what I'm doing when it comes to using Aweber, which is an email marketing tool that I've used since I think 2009 or something like that. And I've stuck with it over the years. There's been lots of different tools that have come in and, different uh, platforms that people have switched to. But to be honest, I've sort of stuck with them because it's worked really well for me and the double opt-in has been in place. So everyone that's on there on my list have all uh, opted in to be on my list and it was just easier to stay with them. But also in recent years, they've really started to develop the platform. So there are now landing pages that you can use that are really simple to use to allow you to offer lead magnets, to your potential leads by getting them to add their details into the landing page and then obviously it gets them added to your mailing list but at the same time they can then download whatever it is you've offered to them so if you don't have the, that sort of tool on your website uh, and you're using you know just a, a, a normal wordpress post or whatever that's got all your um header details and that sort of stuff on there then uh, you could if you are using Aweber, use their landing page instead. And then literally the only thing that people can do is put their details in and download whatever it is you've offered them, um, which is the sort of principle of those pages so that they don't have lots of choice. They just literally do the one thing that you want them to do. So their landing pages are really good. And the way that you can tag people now in Aweber, and I say now, I mean, it's been around for a while actually means that it's really easy now to create one list with everybody on tagged with different uh, tags, depending on how they joined your list and depending on their interests based on information you've sent them that you know they've opened and all that sort of thing. And you can get actually quite sophisticated with it almost to the point where you can use Aweber or another email marketing tool as a CRM. If you're not Uh, really sophisticated enough in your business to need a customer relationship management database um, and a tool to do that, you can actually use something like Aweber to enable you to sort of track the interests uh, of your audience and your leads and actually email them the right information, the stuff that they're looking for. And you know that it's the right stuff because of how you've tagged them and because of how they found you. And obviously, as a result of the tag that you've created from wherever it is they've come from. So over the weekend, I went in and redid the lead magnet on my site, powertolivemore.com, which is my five fundamentals checklist. And I set it up so that people can download the checklist and then they get tagged with five fundamentals, I think I tagged it, uh, so that I then can send a follow-up series, a campaign to those people. And then if I have other lead magnets set up The people that sign up to get those lead magnets will get a different series of emails through that campaign based on whatever they've signed up for. So I have a lead magnet at the moment for uh, reducing stress and so the emails that I want to send people who've downloaded that lead magnet obviously are uh, different to the ones that uh, I want to send to the people who've downloaded the five fundamentals checklist and you can do that within Aweber as an email marketing tool rather than needing to do anything outside of that so it can be really um, sophisticated and it's also really simple to set up. I really like the interface because it is so easy to work out what's where. It's not one of these complicated tools where it's been designed to within an nth of its life and you can't actually find anything although it looks amazing. I, I just think Aweber looks really straightforward and simple certainly to me because i know what i'm doing i know that i work with students who are using it um and it's quite new to them and they're still sort of finding their feet and they don't find it quite so simple but i think the interface as i say is is really quite straightforward and once you know what all the different headings are for and what you can do with it then it's really easy to quickly set up campaigns and you know lead magnets and landing pages and so on within it so if you're interested in finding out more then as ever please do drop me a line joe at powertolivemore.com uh, if you want to find out more about aweber then you can go to dot forward slash recommends forward slash aweber and and just so you know if you are a member of my membership which is power to live more calm then obviously one of the things that i offer in terms of support within that is help in setting up your email. And that is whether you use Aweber or another tool. I also use uh, MailChimp. I've got some students who are using GetResponse and others that are using ActiveCampaign. And I can help with all of those. Obviously my preference is to use Aweber, but I can help regardless of the email tool that you ha- that you have. Uh, so if you look, but if you're looking for that sort of help and support, then it might be worth having a look at uh, powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm. And uh, just a reminder about Counterpoint networking. It's still happening every Monday at two o'clock British summer time. And each week now we're choosing a particular theme to discuss, to learn about, to share, to sort of entice people to come along to, to share their expertise as well. Last week or rather this week, we were talking about networking. And next week, so Monday, the, um, I can't add it up now, 13th of July, we'll be talking about LinkedIn. So if you want to find out about LinkedIn or you want to, have some questions answered or you want to discuss it or if you're an expert in using LinkedIn and you'd like to come and share your expertise then please do pop over to counterpointnetworking.co.uk forward slash two zero zero seven one three and that'll get you straight into the uh, event for Monday so you can book in for that or if you just want to go and book in for one in the future it's counterpointnetworking.co.uk And then finally, as ever, the show notes for this show are powertolivemore.com forward slash 166. And we look forward to speaking to you next week.
1: Use your power to live more.